Chapter 1 Journey's End Tyron's story begins in a town called Thene, which is on the island of Gree, just south of Sandaru, on the plain of Giori. Now, Thene is a small rural town composed mainly of farmland and forests, and is home to many retired miners, woodsmen, and the occasional adventurer. The town is so small, in fact, there is only one tavern to speak of, called the Journey's Friend a place where weary travelers and adventurers used to spend the night drinking and regaling the locals with stories from abroad before shipping back out on the Tailsworth Sea. These days it's frequented by a handful of regulars and the occasional boat crew while they wait for repairs to finish at the docks. The place has been going downhill so long that it's called Journey's End by the locals due to the missing letters and the sign out front. If you were to walk past the sign, through the doors up the stairs, down the hall, up the ladder to the attic, and into the backmost corner, and look down. You would see, carefully hidden away from sight, a sleeping halfling. This is Tyron, a barely three-foot-tall, tan, skinny yet stocky halfling, who on this day, the day that will change everything as he knew it, is sleeping in. It's early afternoon and he is still asleep after having snuck back in late last night. He climbed through a kitchen window, left open by Hope, another halfling who lives and works at Journey's End. Hope has been looking out for Tyron practically since the moment they first met, when he moved in with his uncle not far from the tavern. Tyron would always come around, wanting to play and distract Hope from chores and the monotony of being the stepdaughter of the grumpiest tavern keep this island has ever known. Tyron is awoken by the sound of tapping on the floor beneath him. He recognizes this as Hope's way of telling him to get up by tapping the ceiling of her room with a broomstick. He knocks back to her as he lifts his head off the dusty throw pillow beneath him. He sits up and stretches as he looks around at the little fort that he made the previous night. Meanwhile, Hope is climbing down off her bed and placing the broom beside it. She takes a look in the mirror and starts fixing her appearance. Hope is just a little older than Tyron is more mature and a full two inches taller than him if you count her hair, all of which she makes him aware of on a daily basis. She quickly throws her brown hair into two braids and straightens her clothes before exiting her room. She heads downstairs, behind the bar and into the kitchen, where a haggard old man hunches over the sink, grumbling to himself. You're in rare form today. What's the matter? Have you finally decided you want to give up Barton and fulfill your dream of cleaning dishes? It was rare for Hope to see him up and walking around this early. Her stepfather, Jirak Fendale, was more of a night owl. That's one of the reasons he opened the tavern in the first place. He would normally wake up a few hours from now and check on things. Ha! That's a riot. I guess jokes must run in the family because you sure didn't get your sense of humor from me. I came back here because something's not right. I can feel it. Like what? Like this morning. I felt a draft, so I came in to see where it was coming from, and I see the window wide open. Hope wonders if Tyron was clumsy enough to leave the window open after coming in earlier. Just in case, she tries to hide her knowing expression. Maybe it was the wind that blew it open. Hmm. But how do you explain this? Drak holds up a dish that was placed on the counter that has blue streaks and flaky crumbs on it. That is called a dish, and people sometimes place food on them and eat off them. 
I know what it is. Do you know what's on it? Pie? Blueberry pie. Someone's been in here, and this is evidence. This, too, could have been Taran, Hope thought. Oh, you know what? This was mine. I came down here late last night for something to eat and had a slice of pie. I must have plumb forgot about it. Here, I'll just throw that in the wash and put it away. She takes a plate from him and puts it into the sink. Are you sure you're feeling okay? I've still got this feeling like what's-his-face has been in here again. Tyron, Dad, you know his name. That halfling boy is trouble. Every time he comes around, the two of you get yourselves into some kind of mess that turns into a headache for me. The last time he came around, my head felt like it was going to burst. Like it was out to here. He holds out his hands about two feet on each side away from his head. You're exaggerating. If your head were that large, you couldn't leave your room. You'd have to get your meals by post. Jurak sort of laughs at this. Maybe you're right. I can just feel this headache coming on, and I just know he's involved somehow. He hasn't been around, has he? Jurak looks at Hope quizzically. Hope tries hard. Hope tries hard not to let her face betray her, as she shakes her head no. Meanwhile, upstairs in the attic, Tyron has finished putting the attic back the way he found it, and is climbing down the ladder to the second floor when he hears the sound of falling boxes from above him. The noise is loud enough for him to hear, and so did the people in the kitchen. What was that noise? Tyron descends the ladder and looks for a place to hide, knowing how bad it would be if he were discovered, for two reasons. One, he was forbade from entering this establishment after hours, which he presumes means he can't sleep there as well. And two, because if he's caught, whether Hope was helping him or not, Jurak would just assume she was. He looks at Hope's door and decides that's his best shot at getting away. Sounds like it came from upstairs. Jurak steps on the bottom stair, letting out that old familiar creak that they've all heard countless times. I'm sure there was nothing. Hope speaks loud enough that her voice could carry up the stairs and hopefully to Tyron. Tyron quickly shuffles over to the door grabs hold of the handle and lifts as he turns it, so the door doesn't make a noise, giving away his position. Jurak marches undeterred up the stairs, reaching the top as Tyron eases the door back closed. Jurak gives the hall a cursory glance and waits a moment, while listening for more noises. Tyron eases away from the door toward the bed. He looks under the bed to see if he can hide there, but there's too many boxes underneath. Jurak takes out his keys and starts checking the other rooms upstairs for anything out of the ordinary. Tyron opens the window and looks down at the long fall and decides better of it because of his fear of heights. He sees Hope's closet and thinks maybe he'll hide in there. He sneaks over to the door and peeks inside and sees it's filled with fabrics and dressmaking materials. He eases the closet door back shut and looks back out the window as he hears Jurak walk to the room opposite Hope's. Tyron stands on the trunk underneath the window, takes his bag and tosses it into the bushes underneath the window, near the chicken coop, startling a few of the hens. He puts his loot down as he grabs a piece of fabric off the edge of her dresser and ties the end into a knot before easing out the window. He hangs there momentarily as he pulls the window shut 
using the knot as an anchor to his fabric rope. He lowers himself out of view, just as the door to Hope's room swings inward. Tyron didn't dare look back inside, but if he did, he knows he would see a middle-aged human with a balding head, bushy eyebrows, and beady eyes stalking through the room with a scowl on his face. Several uncomfortable moments pass as Tyron just hangs out there, roughly 15 feet off the ground by a piece of fabric, waiting for Hope's door to close so he can climb back inside. Tyron hears the faint sounds of tearing fabric, and looks up in shock to see his lifeline is beginning to tear under his weight. He looks down and sees the ground moving further and further away from him as he thinks about the rapid descent he'll experience in moments. Jurak looks around for anything out of the ordinary that could have made the noise earlier. As satisfied the hope's room is clear, he turns to exit when something catches his eye, and a toothy grin comes over his wrinkled face. Tyron hears the door to Hope's room close, and immediately tries to climb back up, but every time he shifts his weight up, it tears more. Tyron starts reaching for the windowsill just past the initial tear. Come on, just hold on a little long... The final piece of the fabric gives way, sending Tyron hurtling to the ground, catching the edge of the bush, which only helps a little to break his fall. He lies there sprawled out, looking at the overcast sky. He is stunned and aching all over but alive. He rolls out of the bush and stumbles to his feet. He grabs his bag just a few feet away from a different bush as the sky begins to trickle down rain. Tyron composes himself as he walks around the back of the tavern to the front doors, where he stops for a moment and composes himself, brushing the leaves off as best he can. He takes a deep breath before stepping inside Journey's End. The familiar bell chimes above him. Tyron walks in as casually as someone can after just falling out of a window. It's starting to rain. Looks like a big storm is coming this way. Tyron looks at the two of them standing there at the bar. Hope giving Tyron a look that says go. And Gerard giving him a look that says stay. Well look who it is. It's Tyron. What brings you this way so early? Oh you know this and that. I thought maybe I'd pop by early before it started pouring rain and maybe practice some songs or get something to eat. Jurak was unusually talkative with Tyron today, the idea of which put Tyron on edge. Oh, well, I've got some blueberry pie in the kitchen if you're hungry. Tyron was nearly always hungry, and now I was no exception. No, thank you. I'm not a big fan of pie. I'll take some stew if you have it. We're all out of stew. Tyron could feel a tension in the air all around him. He looks at Hope for some clue, but she remained silent and averting her eyes. So, Tyron, you came by to practice some songs, you say? Tyron gives a nod. But where's your instrument? I couldn't help but notice it wasn't strung on your back like it usually is. Tyron can now feel the empty space on his back where his lute once was, and starts to panic. He knows he had it a while ago. Did it fall out of his bag when he threw it out the window? Did he leave it in the attic? As he ponders this, he sees a toothy grin come over Jurak's face. I, uh, must have left it back home. I was in such a rush to get over here, I must have left it there. Oh, you mean this loot? Jurak reaches underneath the counter and retrieves a shoddy old mahogany loot and places it on the bar. It had seen better days, but was gifted to Tyron by his uncle, who was a bard. 
Tucked under the strings was a rolled up piece of paper. I... How did you... Curious, isn't it? How could this get all the way from your house just now, all the way up into Hope's room before you got here? Daddy, I can explain. You see, Tara... Hope? I want to hear him tell it. Let's hear it, lad. Tyron says nothing. Jirak takes a piece of paper from under the strings and unfurls it. What's this? It's a flyer for the annual Battle of the Bard contest in Frosh. Tyron walks over to the bar and takes the loot and reaches for the flyer. But Jirak holds it out of reach. Held in less than the ten day. So soon. Stop it. It says here they'll be showcasing the best bards around. Look, there's even prizes for the best performers. Give it back. Jirak turns to Tyron and looks him in his eyes as he rips the paper in half. You didn't need that. You were never going to go there in the first place. You want to know how I know? That's enough. Because I know you. You're a young, foolhardy boy who makes messes for others to clean up. And if it wasn't for people like Hope to look out for you, feed you, and cover for your screw-ups, you'd be begging for change somewhere. Or starve to death, more like. Daddy! No child, he needs to hear this. You couldn't make it a day out there in the real world without someone there to baby you. You know it, I know it, and Hope knows it. So why don't you do us all a favor, and grow up. The storm outside grows in intensity as thunder rolls above them. The room falls silent. Jirak holds out the two pieces of paper to Tyron. He takes them as his shoulders sink down. Tyron, I... He says nothing as he places his loot back into his bag. Hope walks over to Jurok and hits him hard in the shoulder. That was uncalled for, and you were way out of line. You need to apologize to him. Jurok is about to object and put his foot down. When he looks in Hope's eyes, he sees the same intensity her mother had in her eyes when she refused to back down. What if you're wrong? They both turn to look at Tyron. What if I make it to the Battle of the Bards? and compete with all the other bards. That'd be a long shot. Let's bet on it, then. Jurok looks intrigued at this. Hope looks at Tyron and sees an expression she rarely ever sees on him. Pride. What are the terms? I leave Thien and head to Frosh for the Battle of the Bards. I compete and make it back here in one piece, and you take back everything you've said and allow me to come and go as I please. What do I get if I win? If you win, I'll leave Thane. You'll never see me again. Tyron, you can't be serious. Why don't we make it interesting? What do you have in mind? You have to go there, compete, and finish in anything but last place. If you fail, you leave for good, and I get your loot. Tyron, you can't. You both need to stop right now. If I win, you apologize, and I get to play here whenever I want. Jirak thinks on this a moment tapping an empty glass on the bar top. Deal. He extends his hand to Tyron and the two shake as lightning flashes outside, lighting up the now darkened interior of Journey's End. Tyron lets go and heads to the door, while Hope stands there in shock after what just happened. Tyron walks outside in the pouring rain. Hope is right on his heels. She spins him around to face her. What what are you thinking? Do you know what you've just done? Tyron nods. Do you now? What I think this whole thing is foolish and you need to go back in there and call this whole thing off the both of you. I can't do that. Yes you can, just come back inside. 
Hope grabs him by the arm and starts nudging him back to the door. Hope, I can't. Why not? Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid. What if he's right? What if I'm a nobody who's leaning on other people for everything? What if that's all I'll ever be? Hope, I have to try. I need to know what I'm capable of. I need to know that I can do things on my own. Hope lets go of him, and the two stand there in silence. The only sound is the storm going on up around them. The storm's not letting up tonight, so I'll have to leave in the morning. That gives me some time to pack. I want to see you before you leave. Shortbread. You will, you old hag. With the rain coming down on them, neither could tell if the other was crying. You should go back inside. Hope nods and wipes her face off as she walks back to the door, Tyron watching her the whole time. The chime echoes twice as she opens and closes the door. Tyron hikes up his backpack and starts walking up the road towards the unlit, barely visible house about a mile away.